Episode one, the mess behind the message. Welcome and thank you for joining me. This is so surreal. (laughs) You know, I started sharing my journey as just someone who needed to stay accountable to get healthy. And over the last few years, I've had people ask me if I would write a book or do a podcast. And, you know, the thought of writing a book is scary because I don't even have time to sit down and read a book. But um, I also thought that people would probably get tired of reading the word fuck. And then I also thought that unless I'm reading that book myself and they're listening to the audible, they're not going to feel and hear everything the way that I say it. And if there's anything that I've learned over the last five years that I didn't know before this journey, it's that my voice has power and my voice is powerful. And so that's how this came to be. I hope I have your permission to be real here. Actually, it's my podcast, so I'm going to be real as fuck here. But what I would like you to do is to be real with me. Um, If you haven't noticed, we're probably a minute or so in and I've already dropped the F-bomb twice. I do that when I get excited. I'm not vulgar. I'm not mean in any way, but I am a sweary mom, and when I get to preaching, I drop F-bombs like commas. So if that's not your cup of tea, we're cool, sister. No harm, no foul. But that's a full disclosure, disclaimer, whatever you need, right? So I wanted to start this off by telling you guys a little bit about me because you're going to see a very different side of me as we go through this together, as I share more, you know, life tips and and things and nuggets for you guys. You're going to see a different side. You're going to see how I am now. And I think it's very important, extremely important for you to know where I came from because we all have struggles. And while I'm not in my valley anymore, I was in that valley for a very long time. Sometimes I call it a valley. Sometimes I call it a well. Um, You will learn I like to use metaphors and sometimes they don't make much sense, but I promise I get to a point. So let me do that, right? (laughs) Oh man. So I've struggled with depression As long as I can remember, actually, you know, I wasn't diagnosed for, I don't know, it's probably at least a decade from when I first noticed that I wasn't, I don't want to say normal because that's not it, but things just weren't totally right. And I know that we all have an inner mean girl and that she can be really harsh, but mine was a downright bitch. And, And I listened to her for far too long, but... You know, I can remember some of the stuff I have never shared. (laughs) And I share everything on my social media if you don't follow me there. So for me, that's a big thing. When I was in middle school, I used to take a safety pin and I would just dig at my wrist. 
and I and I'm not even sure why I don't know if it was a cry for attention but I do remember feeling with my whole heart that I deserved pain and that I deserved to feel nothing but pain I told you that in a mean girl of mine she's uh she's not very nice so when I was a junior in high school my best friend was in a car accident it was it was a very bad one uh, he was life flighted and I actually heard that night that he had died and so I spent that night thinking that he was gone and the next morning I found out that he was just in a coma so I was very excited to learn that that was really rough but this was also back in the day where all we had was a house phone and word of mouth so I spent my junior year every day after school we my mom and I would drive up to Pittsburgh I'm from Washington PA a little suburb of Pittsburgh and we would drive up to Pittsburgh and we would visit him if he was in the trauma unit in the hospital he moved to a rehab center we would go there um you know about two hours round trip sometimes more because we'd be going up there at rush hour spent everyday driving plus hours at his bedside i would be doing my homework up and back in the car or when i was there with him if he was still in the coma and i would just talk to him the whole time but his fight was very much my fight. I am very much a if you run, I run with you kind of person. And so I I put my whole heart into that fight with him because he needed it. It was a very hard fight. He had to learn how to tie his shoes again. He had to learn how to stand again. He had to learn how to talk again. He had to learn how to walk again. I mean, everything. All of his independence was taken away in one split second. And he woke up months later to this. So, I mean, it was really hard, and he's a fighter, and he's amazing, one of the best people um, that I've ever known. He repeated his junior year, so he was a grade behind me. And so when I went into my senior year, he went into his junior year. We went to prom together that year, just as friends, best friends. And then I went off to college, and I'm not going to lie, I felt guilty about that, because my life was moving forward, and I felt like his was kind of in this new place. At the end of my freshman year, Kirk is his name took his life. He jumped off a bridge and committed suicide. And it rocked my world. Going through something like that, a trauma like that, it changes you forever. I'm a completely different person, especially because that happened when I was 19. There was still so much I didn't know about myself. Why is this important? Why do you need to know this about me? Well, one, I'm sure I will have an episode somewhere about suicide awareness and depression awareness as I am also a depression warrior. But you know, I saw how hard that fight was. And then I also saw what happens when that fight ends. So I didn't deal with it very well. And at this point, I have not been diagnosed with depression yet. I come home from school, do the funeral, do all that. I go back to school a couple weeks later. And my friends, trying to cheer me up, took me out to a bar. Oh yeah, here's another disclaimer. I'm also a recovered alcoholic but was not recovered at the time. <laughs> so there's that. So we went out, I got wasted, and I don't even know what the fuck I was trying to do, but I went face first into a bumper of a car and knocked out my two front teeth. 
I'm in the middle of the parking lot, wasted, trying to get my friends to help me find my teeth. Like, highlight of my life, guys. Highlight of my life. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. Uh, they took me to the ER, and they gave me Vicodin, which I don't know why. I was not feeling any pain. Couldn't even sign my name. But anyways, they told me to take it. I left my dorm room in a straitjacket that night. I spent the better part of a week in a psych ward. And when I came home from that psych ward, I was now diagnosed with depression. I was now taking two antidepressants and a mood stabilizer. I had never been medicated before. I had no front teeth. My best friend was gone. And because I spent finals week in a psych ward, I couldn't even go back to school. I was on academic suspension. They denied my appeal. And before you uh, go harping on Waynesburg, I may have had a breakdown that night and quite possibly flicked off the dean and a few other important college people like a few dozen times that night. So that might have something to do with it. Regardless, I felt like a failure. I felt like my life had no purpose. And I really for the life of me didn't know how to go on because I was now a 19 year old who didn't care about anything that 19 year olds cared about because all the stuff that they cared about didn't matter because my best friend wasn't here anymore. He smashed into a van and someone had to identify him by a stomach tube scar and a trach scar. I didn't even get to say goodbye. So no, I don't care that that guy in the dorm down there was looking at you funny. I wasn't the nicest person. That's an understatement. I was angry. I was bitter. I was jealous. I was envious and I was hurting. The meds that they put me on made me gain 40 pounds in four months and they made me sick if I drank. Not sick sick, but I felt yucky and I felt yucky enough I felt yucky all the time. And honestly, I didn't feel like they were really helping because I cried all the time. I was sad all the time. And one of the best things that you'll find about me is my heart. And it was broken and shattered in a million pieces. And I didn't want to love another thing for as long as I lived because I didn't ever want to feel that pain again. I knew I couldn't survive it again. But I'll tell you what that pain also did. That pain saved me. I can tell you guys with certainty that if it wasn't for having experienced what a suicide leaves behind, I may have taken my own life in my 20s when I was in the bottom of that well because I was in the bottom of that well for years and I felt like I was drowning. And every time I tried to climb up, I fell further and further down. Have you ever felt like the world was happening to you like the next thing was going to break you and when it didn't you were disappointed that's where i was i've spent the last five years working on me because the biggest thing that was holding me back was myself and so i had to start there and i've done a lot of work i've come from a very broken place unhealthy struggling with self-love issues acceptance issues I was an alcoholic, depression, anxiety, sad, suicidal thoughts, all of it. And now I'm an inspiration, a mentor, a social influencer, and a successful business owner. In this time, while I've been working on myself and becoming a better version of myself, a better wife, a better mother, a better sister, a better friend, I've lost over 110 pounds, I've gotten sober, 
I broke my neck, and I've also built a full-time income. I'm so excited to share all of this with you. Let's just start with where I started, and that's when I became a mom. Um, you know, I had a really hard pregnancy. I wasn't able to do any uh, physical exercise or any really physical activity. And I am somebody who, if I'm not actively doing the things to take care of myself, I'm going to gain weight. I lose weight very slowly and I gain it very easily. You know, I'm one of those lucky ones. So I gained over 70 pounds when I was pregnant with Elsie and then was 16 days late. That's right. I need a drink. Just remembering that. And then I ended up with a C-section and I was trying for an out of hospital natural birth because if you remember, I kind of have a traumatic history with hospitals and I don't really like them. So that was rough. It was a rough entry into motherhood. I felt like the only thing that my body was supposed to be able to do, it couldn't do. It failed. My body had failed me and that's how I saw it. I'm not saying that's what happened, but that's how I felt. And that's not the most exciting way to come into motherhood when you're already in a really low place. So I had my work cut out for me. And I'm not here to push my agenda or my ideas or what I do onto you, but I am a huge fan of breastfeeding and an advocate for it for this reason alone because it saved my life. I was a new mom and I was breastfeeding mainly because it's free and I'm frugal as fuck, but I was not responsible for keeping a baby alive and I didn't know how to get myself where I needed to go and also keep her healthy and thriving because the only ways that I had ever lost weight in the past were by over-exercising and under-eating or eating lean cuisines and taking pills and I knew that none of that would work if I was trying to keep a tiny human alive that Frankly, I worked really fucking hard to make. Like, that was hard. I did not enjoy that pregnancy one bit. Sadly, I didn't enjoy, didn't enjoy new motherhood either. It was really hard. And I don't mean, like, the hard that everybody shares and the hard of the sleepless nights and the hormones and, and all of that. It was really hard because I had wanted to be a mom for as long as I could remember and I couldn't sit on the floor for tummy time with my daughter. I couldn't carry her, her car seat, her diaper bag up the stairs without needing to use my rescue inhaler. And I knew I wasn't the mom that I always wanted to be. And so that was a big thing for me. You know, I had given up on myself a million times. I've thrown myself down that well. I've said unspeakable things to myself, but it wasn't about me anymore. It was about that little girl. It was about being who she needed. And for the first time, I thought that I could actually do it. And maybe I didn't actually believe it, but I told myself that I could do it. I told myself that I had to do it. I have a servant's heart. And when I do something for someone else, I'm more likely to follow through. So I reached out to my sister. She had these home workouts and this crazy shake. And I told her, oh, please, I don't drink my food. And she was like, just try it. And I was like, 
fine. Sisters, right? We're the worst. <laughs> so I tried it. And I got to say, what got me hooked was the convenience because I was a new mom who was learning how to breastfeed and I had one of, I had to use the shield and it was a whole big thing that is a whole nother episode, but that is hard and it takes up a lot of time. Like I was stuck in a glider for hours and I remember one day like just staring at this nail clipper and being like, this is a really fucking cool contraption. And I was like, holy crap, Melissa, you need to get out of the house. You need to like see a real human being, right? Like <laughs> that's the kind of heart of motherhood that they don't tell you about. Like the isolation, the like <gasps> your brain becomes like sludge. But anyways, so I could incorporate this meal that was a full meal. It kept me full for hours. I could make it in under a minute, drink it with one hand while I was stuck in that chair nursing a baby. And I was like, done. Can I have, how many meals can I have this for? And she was like, just one. And I was like, crap. Well, what can you make me for my other meals, right? Um, and it turns out that I'm, I'm a huge chronic under eater and we'll get to my nutrition struggles at a, at a whole other date. But so I started doing this stuff. I started doing these at-home workouts and I'm working out with Sean T. Maybe you've heard him. Freaking love that guy. But I did not love him at first. I loathed him because I couldn't do a single thing that he was doing. And then he had a modifier and it's somebody who does an easier version of the workout, right? I couldn't even do what she was doing. I couldn't even get down, up and down off the floor. By the time I got up there, I swear, they were like five minutes later. I was like, what the fuck just happened, right? Like... Oh, so frustrating. Disclaimer, there is somewhere for everybody to start. But this was not the place for me. But it was more about what I was saying to myself than what was actually happening. Like, when I first started doing the workouts, I would lock my husband in his bedroom. I wouldn't let him watch me. I wouldn't let him. Like, if he walked out of that bedroom to walk past the opening to the living room to walk into the kitchen to get a drink, I would stop, pause, and give him the death stare. I'm telling you, I was so uncomfortable. I couldn't even let the people who loved me most see me. But that's okay, because that's where I had to start. And I always say, and I think I've said it already, maybe I'll edit it out, maybe I won't, but great things come from either inspiration or desperation, and I was desperate as fuck. But I couldn't get out of my own head. I couldn't tell myself that I could do it because Sean was telling me that this woman, this modifier, had just had a baby, and I could see her abs. And I was like, well, if... She just had a baby and she looks like that and you just had a baby and you look like this, then you can't do that. And I believed it. Can I tell you that I completed that same program pregnant with my second daughter? That same program, I completed it. The whole thing while I was pregnant with my second daughter. Remember, first pregnancy, I wasn't even allowed to work out. And I started and completed the program that almost stopped me in the beginning when I was with child for the second time. You can do hard things. So it was a couple months later and a new program was coming out and I was like, okay, Melissa, 
What's it going to be? Are you going to waste more money or are you finally going to do this? And I didn't want to waste the money as none of us do, right? So I had to talk with myself. Like I said, I'm frugal as fuck. I had to talk with myself. I looked myself in the mirror and I said, Melissa, you need to get your shit together. Can you learn to love this person? Can you learn to love the person that you see looking back at you? Because if you can't, we've got to do something. Because there's a little girl out there and there is the best man who has a heart just like Kirk's. And you've been blessed to get that kind of friend twice in your life and you are squandering it because you can't get out of your own way. So can you learn to love this person? Can you learn to see what they see? Because if you can't, we've got to get to work. And it's got to be a team thing, guys. It's got to be you and your inner fucking mean girl. And you've got to be willing to do it together. There was something different about this program. And I'm not saying this so you guys start these programs. I'm just sharing this because I needed this. I can't hold it in thinking that someone else may need it too but the program that I decided to go in and get it was the first of many to have an overweight modifier and I can't tell you how much that woman changed my life because for the first time I couldn't sit there and tell myself that it was all easier for her for all these reasons that I couldn't tell myself that she looked like that and I didn't and I couldn't do it because we, I could relate to her. I could see something in her. I could see hope. Seeing her do it made me believe that I could also. And I had to modify the modifier and I had to take breaks and I had to drop weights, but I started. I progressed on to more challenging programs and I went on to lose 95 pounds in two years, which was amazing. But in those two years that I lost 100 pounds, I also got sober. This is the third time that I've quit drinking in my life. I share that with you guys because we don't always get there the first time. We don't always reach our goals. We don't always get it right. We fail. We all fail time and time again. But what makes us stronger is getting up and learning and growing from that failure. I'm very big on growing what I go through. But I wasn't always. You see these workouts and these shakes, they also came with a community that I never knew I needed. We're very big on personal development, like podcasts like this, and it literally changed my life. 
I was someone who said, I don't need self-help books. Come on, don't give me that. I'm a happy person. And you know what? I was. I, sober or drunk, I'm the life of the party. I'm hilarious. I flail like I don't give two shits. I'm just, I'm a lot. And I was never okay with that. And I drank to fit in and to feel comfortable. And I realized after I got sober that I really struggled with anxiety and then drinking was helping with that. So here I am, 30-something, I don't even know at this point, 30-something, I'm an alcoholic, I've got anxiety, I've got depression, and I started to share my journey because people started asking me what I was doing. And my sister had a talk with me and she told me that what really inspired me to make the changes wasn't the perfect people. It wasn't the people who had the muscles already or were at their goal. It was the real people. It was the overweight modifier. And so I started sharing my journey even when I still had a long way to go. And by doing that, I realized that other people were struggling with the same things that I was struggling with. And I had a solution. I realized that people needed to see the realness in the struggle. And if you follow me on social media, you know that I'm very good at sharing that. I remember specifically listening to Shaleen Johnson's Car Smart series back when you still listened to your personal development on CDs. Yeah, yeah, back in those days. And, you know, she had just asked this question several times, and every time, it circled back and I couldn't get past it. What is the one thing that is holding you back from the person you want to be? We need to start there. And for me, it was my drinking because it was the one piece of me that I couldn't share. It was the one piece of me that I was truly embarrassed. It was the one piece that I was hoping nobody would ever point out. I wasn't a mean drunk. I wasn't an abusive drunk. I was hilarious. I'm basically just like I am now, but just a little bit more. And then I would usually get emotional. And for like all of college, if you drank with me, I probably cried about Kirk somewhere in there. Sorry about that, my bad. Um, <laughs> but it was different this time because I wanted to be better for my girls. Elsie was a year and a half whenever I quit drinking and I never wanted her to have to clean up my mess. I never wanted her to have to remind me what happened the night before. I never wanted her to see her mom like that. And so I quit drinking on April 25th, 2015. And it's been over four years. And I've done that without rehab. And I've done that without a single AA meeting. And I'm not dogging on AA. It's amazing. It, the pro, it works if you work it. <laughs> I know the steps. I went to the meetings one of the times that I quit drinking. But this time was different for me. And I'm going to share why. I'm going to share why I chose to go the route that I did. You see, I was finally getting to a place where I was getting out of that hatred. And I knew that if I went into a meeting and had to talk about the stuff that I did when I was drinking, I wouldn't be able to move forward. I wouldn't be able to 
play that role every day. I didn't want to live that life for one more second. I didn't want to be that person for one more second. Desperation, guys. You have to be so desperate. You have to want to change more than you want to stay the same. They're both hard. You have to choose your hard. Like I said, I've done a lot of work, but I love this takeaway from the Appreciation Academy, which I'm sure you'll hear me reference again, along with many others. You can make the easy choices and live the hard life, or you can make the hard choices and live the easy life. The choice is yours. I was choosing to live the hard life because I was trying to make all the easy choices. And on this journey to losing 100 pounds, I flipped that. So I showed up on social media and I shared my sobriety. That was so scary, guys. It was so scary. If you're... If you're family of an alcoholic or an addict, or if you are one yourself, I hope you know this. I mean, if you are one yourself, you know this. But if you're a family of one, I hope you know this to be true, is that no one hates themselves as much as an addict or an alcoholic. No one. <laughs> so it took me a year, a full year of sobriety before I could get to a place where I was forgiving myself for everything that I've done. And a huge part of that was personal development, helping me put the pieces together. So 2015 was the year of change for me, guys, and I'm gonna start digging into that when we go into the mindset meltdown next week. I dove into my business in January, which is when I dove into personal development because it's an aspect of my business. It's a daily requirement in my business, personal development. And so when I dove into my business, I dove into everything involved April of 2015, four months later, guys, four months after introducing personal development into my life, I got sober on my own. Do you hear me? It is so powerful. The words that you put into your mind, the things that you say to yourself, the questions that you ask, they are so powerful. In August of 2015, I started EMDR therapy. Again, a whole separate podcast. I did EMDR therapy for 10 months. And what took me in there was Kirk's death. There was a lot of it that I was still holding on to. I couldn't talk about it without crying. I know I got emotional earlier, but I was also nervous for this. But there was just a lot there that I couldn't get past that my brain wouldn't even let me get past. And I really, I highly recommend EMDR therapy if you have any kind of PTSD or trauma. It was so helpful. I've done years and years of talk therapy, traditional therapy, and I'm not dogging it. Therapy is amazing in all forms, shapes and sizes, but nothing provided breakthroughs like the EMDR therapy did for me. When I was halfway through my EMDR therapy, I experienced something that probably would have affected me a whole lot differently had I not been already working on myself. At this point, guys, I was down 95 pounds and my husband and I were trying to get pregnant. You see, a driving factor for me to lose that 100 pounds was that I wanted more babies and I didn't want to go through it the way that I went through it with Elsie. I wanted to be able to be active and not be in pain 24 seven. 
I saw a chiropractor every day from 14 to 42 weeks when I was pregnant with my first. I wanted to enjoy that experience. I wanted to love my body through it because I most certainly did not the first time. And, you know, I feel bad about that. So we started trying and we actually knocked it first try. (laughs) And I remember trying to push through on another Sean workout. We had started Insanity Max 30 that week. And I had my peppermint oil on standby, like used it the whole time. And we completed one week. And it was a Tuesday night. And we were heading to Chipotle for dinner. And I had unbuckled my seatbelt to get something for Elsie in the back. And I don't remember anything after that. Someone hit us head on. And because I was unbuckled, I went headfirst into the windshield. I cracked our windshield, (laughs) completely destroyed it with my head. I broke my neck. And that started my life of pain. (laughs) So spoiler alert, I am also a chronic pain warrior to add to anxiety warrior, depression warrior, suicide awareness. (laughs) Um, What else can we add to the list? Oh, alcoholic, recovered alcoholic. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. So, uh, psych ward resident, let's just add it all on there, right? Hot mess, success, 100%. So, that night was crazy. I have never experienced pain like that. Actually, my neck was the first bone I've ever broken. (laughs) So, I like to do it right, right? Um, But I also share that part of my story because I don't know a single mom who hasn't taken their seatbelt off to get something for their little in the back. And that one, that split second changed my life. And it could have changed my life a whole lot differently. The doctors told me that if I hadn't lost that 95 pounds, if I wasn't as strong and as healthy as I was at that point, that I probably would have went through the windshield and then they would probably be having a much different conversation with my family. That's a hard pill to swallow, guys. To realize that you walked away from something that you might not have. And it was at that time where I realized that I saved my life. Wanting to lose 100 pounds saved my life. I also found out that night that I was no longer pregnant. It was what they call a chemical pregnancy, where you get an early positive test, and then you just get your period a few weeks later. And if I'm being honest with you guys, you know, I never really share that as a miscarriage. I never really share it as a loss. Because even though it was the goal and even though it was so wanted, I feel like it was a blessing. Because 2016, the accident was December 15th, 2015. So the very end of 2015. And 2016 was the year of fighting. 2015 was the year of change. 
And I'm so grateful that I did all of those changes because I needed every single tool in my arsenal the next year. I was eight months sober when I was put on narcotics for pain. That's terrifying. That is absolutely terrifying. As a recovered alcoholic, there's nothing scarier than being put on narcotics. I've seen many a sober people relapse from that. I was in a neck brace for more than two months. I couldn't drive. I couldn't pick up my daughter. I couldn't even kiss my husband. I'm a very independent, busy, moving person. And I lost it all. And guys, my job is literally to motivate people to live happier and healthier, fulfilling lives. That's my job. And I was like, I can't work out. I was a little relieved, and I feel bad, but I was a little relieved. Your story is your own. When they told me that I wasn't pregnant anymore. Because at that point, they told me that I had a broken hand. They told me that I had a skull fracture. They told me that I had a broken neck. And they told me that I may have dislocated my knee or ankle. That did not sound like a fun pregnancy to me. That did not sound like the pregnancy that I had worked so hard to have for the last two years. So I took that one a little easier to swallow. But when they told me that I couldn't work out for three months, I cried. Because this was dead in the middle of winter. Oh, I also struggle with SAD, which is seasonal affective disorder. Just like the winter blues. Yeah, yeah. I got all that jazz happening too. So right in the middle of winter, my worst time ever. And now I can't do the one thing that releases my stress, my anxiety. It helps with my depression. It helps with my recovery. It helps with everything. It has become a daily therapy tool for me. And now I didn't have it anymore. And not only that, but I didn't have my job. It felt like I didn't have my job because how could I show up for people? And how could I motivate them to show up when I couldn't do anything? Well, it turns out that I was actually a very powerful coach at that time because I was going through the struggle. And they were going through a struggle too. And it took me a really long time to fight back from that. When I got the neck brace off, I was still experiencing pain every day. And they sent me to a pain specialist where I would get painful injections in my back every four to six weeks for the next three years. There were times where I didn't want to be sober. <laughs> There were times where I didn't want to fight. There were times where I didn't want to show up. But this community that I've built, this support that I've built, this accountability that I've created, it helped me fight through it all. Talk about crazy full circle moments, though. I had my second daughter, Cora Rose, two years and three days after I went into that windshield and walked away. I had some limitations at the end of my pregnancy, but that day I did an extreme upper body workout while I was in early labor. Like my water broke hours later. What my body never did the first time. It sure showed up the second time and it thanked me for my new lifestyle. 
Like, I'll get into this in another episode, I'm sure, but everything was easier. And that's even with chronic pain and SPD, which is the absolute fucking worst. Like, so much so that I'm not making any more babies. If we welcome any into our family, they will be babies that other people made and we will take in and love. Like, the shop's closed. For that reason and the pain and the fact that I was already a geriatric pregnancy the second time. So all that aside, it's crazy how things turn out though. Like I got that pregnancy. I was able to enjoy it, to love it, even with the pain. That's pretty cool. And so what I want to give to you in this podcast is those tools. I want to give you that community. I want to give you all of the gifts that I've been given. I want to help you guys get through the hard stuff. And I want to speak life into you. I want to be honest. I want to be authentic. I want to lift you the fuck up. (laughs) But I need you to do the hard work. I need you to have the talk with yourself. I need you to ask yourself, what is the one thing holding you back from the person who you truly want to be? And then I need you to figure out how we can conquer that. Can you do it on your own? Do you need help? What are the next steps for you? And are you able to love the person that you see in the mirror? And I don't mean just physically, guys. Because I gained over 60 pounds to have my second daughter. Like, my body just gains a lot of weight when I make babies. I loved my body through every pound of that process because of the work that I did. If you change your mind, you can change your life. And that's just one thing that I hope to do here for you guys. So I'm sorry if this was long. I'm sorry if I made you cry. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry if this was not your cup of tea. And you know, maybe I'm not sorry for any of those things either. I don't know. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Things you will hear me say are words are hard. You know, I'm going to be really honest with you guys that I may not do a whole lot of editing in this podcast. I'm very, very real. And I get, I'm very squirrel, very AD, you know, but I want you to know that every aspect of this is I'm not showing up perfect. I'm just showing up. I'm just showing up. And that's all you need to be able to do. So I need you to have the talk with yourself. I need you to ask yourself, who's the person who loves you most in this world? Think about that person. Do you see what they see? Do you see what they see? Can we start by the next time they give you a compliment? I want you to say these two words and only these two words. Thank you. No eye rolling, no negating, just take it. Guys, you have to stop putting yourself down because the only person that can get you out of that well is you. But if you keep throwing yourself down there, you'll never make the climb. Consider this podcast a rope. At least that's what I hope it is for you. Maybe it's a rope to help you out of the well. Maybe it's a rope to extend to others. Maybe it's a rope to climb on, right? I don't know. I should know, but I don't. 
anyways. Oh, guys, I'm just, I'm so excited. I can't believe I made it through this. You'll get to know the more recent stuff in my journey, but I really just kind of wanted you guys to know. Oh, ha, see, I'm so squirrel. I will finish that. Okay. So after that, I did go on to lose. I actually hit that 100 pound loss mark before I was cleared to work out again. That's right. I got my neck brace off. And in the time between I had my neck brace off and when I was before I was cleared to work out, I hit that 100 pound mark. Something I had given up on that goal, guys, because it didn't matter to me anymore. I'd lost that 95 pounds. I was obviously, guys, I was planning on getting pregnant and gaining the weight back. So I had given up on it. Everything in this life, I believe everything happens for a reason. And I believe that I went into that windshield that day for so many reasons. And it's so crazy because my life is now pain. And that was a sick joke because I was working so hard to have a pregnancy or a life without pain. And now my life is literally pain. But I'm so much stronger for it. And I was able to help hundreds of people who suffer with chronic pain. It's become a piece of my journey and a part of my voice. Listen, guys, we're going to get to know each other really well. And before we do, here are just a few things that you should know about me. I'm honest. I'm open. I am a cannabis using, F-bomb dropping, big hearted woman who is going to love you hard. And if there's anything that I learned from decades of hating everything about myself, it's that I'm over that life. I refuse to hate or guilt myself over any of my pieces, over any of my flaws, my vices, my gifts. Okay, guys. So next week, we are going to start episode one of Mindset Meltdown. Eek! It will be more structured. I'm going to have notes. I'm going to have homework. We're going to talk about personal development. We're going to talk about stuff, hard stuff. It might get a little uncomfortable. And if you've listened this far and you feel like you could tolerate me on a heavier dose, and if you'd like to work a little closer, I have a Facebook community. Hashtag hot mess success community where we go through these workshops and these homework assignments together and... We do life together in there. So you're always welcome. I encourage you to join. I encourage you to do these things. I encourage you to dive in. And I'm asking you to have that talk with yourself. What are the things that you need to work on? Be honest with yourself. If you can't get past the place you are right now, that's okay. That's where you are right now. You've just got to accept that. I couldn't love that person. You know why? It wasn't the physical thing. It wasn't anything about, maybe it was a little physical because <sighs> I was in a really bad place, but it was more, I didn't love who I was. One, I didn't recognize myself. That was a given, but I was tired all the time. I was super depressed. I was angry at the world. I was mean. 
I was hurtful. I was jealous. I was envious. I was so many awful things that I didn't want to be. And when I asked myself if I could love that person, the honest answer was no, because I knew that I was so much more than that. I need you to know you're so much more than that too. And you're worth every ounce of energy that it will take to get there. Love you guys. So fucking pumped for this. Can't wait to see you, talk to you, be with you, pump you up, speak life into you, whatever, next week. See you then.